let me introduce you to inspiring entrepreneurs. Hi there, my name is Ben Gothard. My mission is to interview incredible entrepreneurs who are changing the world and present their stories to you, unscripted and unedited. From billionaires to Forbes 30 under 30 recipients to New York Times best-selling authors and much, much more, these people are living proof that nothing is impossible. Join me on this journey to learn from their experiences and become the person you're meant to be. Welcome to the Project Egg Show every morning at 8 a.m. Central. Eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Project Egg Show. I'm your host, Ben Gothard, and today we have the honor of speaking with Violet Day Ayala. How you doing today, Violet? Good. How are you? You got I it right. Am- Yes. <laughs> Already a success. Well, I am so grateful that you would come on the show today and share some of your very valuable time. So thank you very much. And me. yeah, absolutely. So let's jump right into it. I want to know what is your story? So my story is um, I have been an entrepreneur since the age of 22. So We moved from Miami to North Carolina, and I didn't want to have a family like I kind of grew up in. So I was a latchkey kid, kind of had absent parents. And so I knew that when I got to be an adult, when I got married, when I had my first child, I did not want to have that life for my kids. And so that led me into opening up my first business. So I was 22 years old and opened a personal training company. Had no idea how to do it. Never took a business class. Back then, I'm talking about 1994, um, a really long time ago, there was no Google, <laughs> there were no online classes, there was no YouTube. It was really just kind of go out there and just you know throw it all out there and see what comes back with sticks. So I did that for a couple of years and then I uh, opened up another business that was a Pilates studio and I had that for about 10 years, loved that. And then we moved back to Miami. I got a really cool gig at the Four Seasons here doing PR marketing. And then I really missed having my own business. I missed having, you know, being an entrepreneur. So I set out again. I opened another business, a PR marketing agency. And that led me into wanting to create a community for women entrepreneurs. I felt a little disconnected moving back to Miami. I had lost touch with everyone that was here when I was growing up here in Miami. And through the years, I just kept on craving a small community. So nothing really big, but just, you know, kind of a gathering that would happen once a month. And finally, I just did it one day in 2009. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to start it. It's just going to be 20 women. We'll get together. We'll share advice and wisdom and support. And we'll just meet once a month. It'll be very casual. And I did that. And then the next time I had 60 women that showed up and I was like, why are they showing up? I don't understand. And then by the end of that year, this is how long ago it was. My son actually opened an account for me on Facebook and I started posting pictures of our events on Facebook. And because of that, women were asking for a Femme City location in their backyard. And again, I had no idea what that meant. I was like, what's the big deal? Like, all we're doing is having lunch. Clearly, you can have lunch with people. Like, it's not anything spectacular. 
but they were seeing something more profound than I even knew at the time. And after the fifth or sixth person asking for a Femme City location, I thought to myself, this might be a path I need to take. I need to listen and see what I'm missing because I felt pulled in that direction. So um, I went ahead and I founded officially Femme City. We launched a couple of locations in 2010, kind of tested it out. Um, some were not so good. Some were really good. Then I added a little bit more locations, kind of stopped. And so here we are. We have 120-something locations um, in the U.S. and Canada. We're starting to really grow over in uh, the west part of Canada and the United States and also into Europe. And I'm really excited. So um, this little idea, this little gathering turned into something I did not expect, uh, a movement, if you will. When you say location, do you mean, like, what do you mean exactly by that? So we have leaders in those communities that actually host gatherings. So they host monthly in real life gatherings with other women. So some of our locations, for instance, Philadelphia has like 1,200 women. Des Moines, probably around the same scale. Rio Grande Valley has about 1,200, 1,500. And then we have smaller locations. We want to be in every community where we're needed. And so some of them only have 25 uh, women in those kind of little communities. So really our intention, our purpose is to help women launch a business. You know, they've been sitting on the sidelines, watching other people. We help them create a side hustle. We help them create a business, move forward. And then we give them all the support that they need. So we have online classes. We do local gatherings, literally everything that we can do to help them move forward. That's our intention. Wow. I love that. So when did you really start to go all in on on this idea and and like what did that really feel like when you made that decision sure so that was 2010 and it's interesting because I had this PR and marketing agency going on and I was doing really well with it I had a, a contract with the mayor's office so I worked with two different city of Miami mayors I also was the publicist for World Wildlife fund during earth hour for them in Miami. And then uh, I had some responsibilities in Latin American market as well. So I was really happy with my PR marketing company. I was doing environmental initiatives. I was really making a difference, I felt. So to make that jump into Femme City, I didn't expect it. I started to, um, I did both, right? So I did a side hustle that many of us do. And what I did is as I started giving more and more time and investing more in Femme City, I started releasing some of these contracts. So some of the contracts were ending, you know, they were one-year contracts. So I let those kind of fizzle out. I probably made the leap too early. You know, we hadn't really monetized it. It was the first time I had ever created a business that was looking to scale around the world. You know, it's a different mindset and different grit when you are launching around the world versus one or two locations. You know, when I had the Pilates studio, I had one main location and then I had some satellite offices and we had a lot of instructors that were teaching. That was stressful at the time, but in hindsight, like this was just so much more that I think I made the jump a little bit too early, but um, that's pretty much high transition. I just let things kind of slide versus re-signing them on for another year when I knew that my heart was being pulled in another direction. I really wanted to move in this path and I felt like it was really a purpose of mine. Like that was my time on earth was to do that. I feel like a lot of people are searching for that, for that purpose, yes. for that feeling. Yes. And I'm just really curious, like, what did that actually feel like? Like, how did you know that was that feeling? 
So the first aha moment, I call them aha moments that kind of gear you towards that alignment. The first aha moment I had was when I kept asking for other people to do it. Like I kept asking people like, you should really start a women's group. Like, that would be great. And people are like, why are you telling me that? You should really do it. Like, you know, because I don't have time, but you should totally do it. And so I spent much of those couple years asking other people to do it. And finally, I just felt a calling to do that. And so that was the first aha moment stepping in. The second aha moment came when I had the second lunch and it was filled with 60 women and they were different ages, different height, weight, color of skin, religion, political affiliation. And I felt like, oh my gosh, this is just amazing. Like, all, I didn't know any of them really, how they all just gathered and they were just connecting. And in a world that we find people segregated based on differences, it was really the first time I had seen just everyone embracing each other. So that was like the second aha moment. And then after that, it was really just listening. I really feel like sometimes our purpose is the messaging that others tell us. It's a combination of our talent and our skill and that alignment where it kind of all nudges together in this perfect stream, that's really when you find your purpose. And for me, it was kind of like not stumbling, but it was, a, it was listening, moving forward a little bit, listening a little bit more, and then kind of using my talents and bringing it all together. And even now, you know, we still continuously evolve with our programming and the way we serve our members. But that has always been... Um, kind of taking steps forward based on what I'm hearing and also where I'm uh, projecting us to be in a couple of years. You know, like where, where are we going to be needed most? How are we going to get there? Like how are we going to get to launch a location in Cuba or launch a location in Haiti? Like what's that going to look like? So I think it's a combination, but I know for sure when you are looking for that, you really need to like feel what your talent is. Like what is that purpose that you have been born with? Like we all have that unique quality about ourselves combine it with your skill and then what people ask of you because that's where that that string is i don't know if that makes sense yeah absolutely like there's three different pieces yeah and they overlap like almost like a venn diagram exactly. that middle part yes yes and like the things that people ask you all the time like people were always asking me for connections or people were always asking me for business help you know so that was like a really big piece. And then people, it just, it just always fits. You just have to listen and pause and have that clarity to, and then be free to move forward and not be bogged down with like, you know, I can't do this or, you know, it's too hard or all these things that humans put in their minds. Like you just have to kind of really navigate and say, this is where I'm supposed to be. I'm just going to let it work really hard, but I'm going to go in that direction because that's where the calling comes from. I love that you used the word clarity because yeah. In, in my opinion, the opportunities are kind of always there mm -hmm. and they may be like right in front of you. But if you don't have the clarity or or, or, or maybe you're not on that level of, of consciousness or, or awareness, then it's hard to really see it. It's hard to really pick that up and recognize that this is the thing. This is the path. So how did you achieve that clarity amongst all the other responsibilities of, of life. Say it again. I'm sorry. Cause it just cut out a little bit. What was the question? Yeah. So how did you really achieve that clarity? Oh yes. Uh, you know, I think clarity comes with the understanding that you have the power to design your life. And once you recognize that there's a lot of icky stuff that comes with that too, right? When you realize you're in control, then all those bad decisions you make are made 
then you have to take responsibility for that. So I think that's why a lot of times we don't think we have any control. We feel like we're stuck in that nine to five job. We're stuck with that living in a city that we hate or being with people that we dislike or all those kind of things that, you know, we kind of generally simmer in. Once you recognize that you have the power, the opportunities show up. You have to be willing and open and ready to receive them. And I always tell people, you know, if you want to be a millionaire, the opportunities show up and not, no one's going to give you a million dollars, like all together. It's going to come through other people, the opportunities, and you have to be open and aware for that. And there's a perfect example. Years ago, we had this cleaning lady who was helping us two times a week and she really needed hours. She was like, Oh my gosh, I really need hours. I'm really struggling. I really, I have one day empty. Can you help me? I was like, Oh, of course. So I reached out to a friend of mine who happened to be looking for someone to clean um, their house and I connected them and they set up a time to me. Well, she canceled and then they rescheduled again and then she canceled and then she came to my house and she was you know, telling me how she was praying and praying that this opportunity would come up, that she really needed this account. And I said to her, they already hired somebody else. So it's, it's when you're bogged down with all that chaos, you don't recognize that that opportunity, like you said, was right here. They were asking for it. But she was so busy in this chaotic way of living with no lack, with like a very strong lack or disconnect of clarity. She couldn't see that that person, that's a very simple way to put it, but that person would have alleviated a lot of financial stress for her and probably would have recommended her to other people as well. So I think a lot of times I see that when people are seeking clarity, they just have so much craziness going on. It's like the noise is so loud that they don't even see it's right in front of them. And often it's right there. It's just, you can't see it. I, think I don't know that's if that's profound. answering it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You mentioned how it's almost turned into a movement at mm-hmm. this point. What does that actually mean? And how has that manifested itself? So I think it's a movement because we actually incorporate a lot of components that is not traditional in networking or business organizations. As an example, we recognize that women are generally not kind to themselves. And maybe that's a human factor as well, where they don't recognize the greatness or the successes of the accomplishments. And so part of our programming incorporates gratitude for themselves. They stop and it's part of the program. So they have to do it. They have to say something kind about themselves. And at the same time that we also incorporate in part of our programming is they have to say something kind about another woman anywhere around the world. And so what we're trying to do is really almost retrain the brain to recognize uh, really beautiful moments, to acknowledge you and what you've done, whether it's small, like, oh, I finally wrote that proposal for this client, or I landed, you know, that great account, or even verbally saying, I really um, admire so-and-so. She helped me with this client or she helped me land this account or whatever it is. So we really incorporate that. And so I feel like there is a spirit of femcity that is different. And that's why I think it's taking on as a movement where people are really looking for that in their lives. It's calm. It's got gratitude all over. It's all about positivity. We start all of our meetings with a mantra so that we rec- like, it's all about being positive, supportive of one another. It's definitely different, but those are the components in our lives that we just don't ever we don't ever share. Like we don't walk into a meeting with friends and like repeat a mantra to say, Hey, so just to remind us, we're going to be positive today. We're going to really help each other and no negative, you know, bad juju. It's all going to be good. And we're here, you know, with the intention of helping others. Uh, That's never really said. 
And also that gratitude of like, just, it's okay to share gratitude to somebody else to say, my gosh, you are awesome. Congratulations. And be really authentically happy for them. I think those are parts of society that we just need to really do more of. And that's contagious. As we see other people giving gratitude to other people, we see that they're smiling. The person receiving it is smiling. The room feels really good. Wow, I should, that feels good. I should help others. I should share gratitude and positivity because it comes back and it feels good for everyone. So those are, I think, the parts of femcity that make it so that it's turning into a movement. It's because it's just changing the way people relate with one another in a good way. And I wish the world would have more gratitude towards one another, you know, like just kindness. Why do you think at this point in, in the world or in society or civilization, why do you think we've arrived at this place where there is such a lack of that? And it's kind of a two part question. The second part is, why is that so important? Like, why do we crave that so much as people? I think when you see people that don't want to be a part of community in that way, I think there's a level of fear. I'm thinking that it's because they don't know, you know, for instance, my background, I'm I'm Cuban American. I remember uh, I'm first generation Cuban. I remember moving to North Carolina and I remember people saying, you know, that I must have AIDS because I'm Cuban. So, you know, like bizarre things. Or like, I remember going to the Harris Teeter in North Carolina and the woman asking me, who's like bagging my groceries, she was asking me where I was from and sharing I'm from Cuba. And she was like, she had no idea what that was. And she kept saying I was Indian. She's like, you're Indian. I was like, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm from Cuba. But I think it's, there's a, I think people just don't mesh well when they just don't know. But what I love about community is that if you just gather with other people that are slightly different than you, you'll find that there's beauty within everybody. And you don't ever get that opportunity to reach across, you know, um, sometimes in the past years, you know, we have people that come to us and say, oh, I want to start a location, but um, I belong to the, I'm just going to use it as an example. I belong to Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. I'm going to bring all of those members over and it's going to be like all these Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. And I am a Cuban person. I Trust me, I love Hispanics. But I don't want to have a community with it's all the same type because I don't think that you can really grow business. I don't think you actually elevate your mindset. I don't think that there's, I really think that there's just beauty in like the blend of different perspectives. And that's one thing that I know personally I have focused on in my life and also with the work that I do is to bring people together because once people come together, all, they, all it takes is like one commonality. And all of a sudden it's like, oh my gosh, you're human like me, like you're Cuban, you don't have AIDS. Oh my gosh, you know, like I have a friend of mine who, um, one of my husband's best friends, he's Jewish. And he said that, you know, when he was, when he was in college, he was on a plane and he sat next to someone and they started talking and she was like, you're Jewish, but you don't have horns. And he was like, she literally looked at his head to see if he had horns. And he was like, no, I don't. But it was so bizarre because someone had told her. So once you meet, you know, I'm sure she walked away from that saying, wow, I met a Jewish man and he is normal and wonderful and a great person, you know? So I, I think that's, um, I don't know. I think that's a really important, I think it's, it's important for us to have those conversations and bring people together. You know, I'm, I'm actually Jewish too. And I have you actually, have yeah, I mean, I last time I checked, I don't think so, <laughs> but like, I can't tell you how many people that I meet that they have never met another right. Jew. 
And it's like, I, I recognize we're, you know, not very numerous in comparison to, to, you know, a lot of other cultures or religions, you know, peoples, whatever. But it, it just, it just amazes me because you're right. Like people just have this, this preconceived notion of, of, of like what this word means, you know, right. like, like Jewish. And then, and then you think about that and it's like, okay, well that I have a, a, a notion of what that means. Right. But that word, that label in and of itself is a static thing. And a person or a group of, especially a group of people are very dynamic. Yep. So it's like, how can that static thing accurately describe and portray the totality of such a dynamic thing right so right. it's fascinating I, I don't understand you know what's funny is when i was little um all of my friends were jewish and i remember coming home and wanting to wear the star of david and my dad's like you can't wear the star of david i'm like why like i couldn't understand and actually one of my best friends she's jewish and she loves christmas and she asked her parents to wear the cross and they were like no you're jewish so it's funny like as children you don't see any, pro you're like, I want to be that. Like, I want to have Hanukkah. I want to play dreidel. Like, and she was the same way. She's like, I want to do Christmas. I want to celebrate with a Christmas tree. So as children, we don't have those boundaries or those notions or those definitions like people give us. We're just happy. Like, that's really cool. Let's do that. I want to be that. I want to be that too. Like, it's just, it's only as we become adults that people put that ridiculousness in our heads. And then that's how people live. Like, by that one sentence they heard or that one person that was like that. And I don't know. I don't, I just don't think that's the way community should be. Well, I also think that there can be a, a pretty serious repercussion in, in, in some aspects. And, and please humor me for a second, but I believe it is my belief based on my experiences in the world. I am 24. So I have limited experiences <laughs> based on what I've read and people I've talked to that. And my own experiences that when, when we get something in our minds, you know, a thought that we have or a belief that we hold or something that we're taking as a fact. Right. And, and I feel like there's also kind of a, on a side tangent, a lot of what we hear, I think we interpret as fact. And so okay. then we base a lot of our, mm -hmm. uh, we make assumptions based on something that we thought was rock solid. But anyways, so we have these beliefs, right? And, and then we actually, we confuse the beliefs with ourselves because we attach our identity to the beliefs that we hold. So that makes it very hard to be open-minded because if somebody challenges those beliefs, it's like they're challenging you as a person mm -hmm. and, they, and they're challenging you and your identity and who you are. And that becomes very difficult to separate of like, okay, wait, 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 the beliefs that I hold, that's not who I am. I am who I am. And I am choosing to hold these beliefs to be true at this point. But I feel like there's a, there's a very, um, a very dangerous and slippery road uh, or a slippery slope when we get too attached to those things that, to the beliefs that we hold. And, and I don't know the solution to that, but I think that this, it plays into it and it's very fascinating and confusing all at the same time. Yeah. I can appreciate what you're saying. 
so my upbringing, my mother died of kidney failure. She was an opiate addict. And so the story that I shared with myself that I allowed to define me was if your own mother doesn't love you, therefore no one will love you. Like, which is a kind of a crazy twisted because she was kind sometimes, but then sometimes not so kind. But that's like a belief like that I put in myself and then I acted like that. And then I had this crazy thing that I was going to become like her. So I was like neurotic overtaking like Advil or like I wouldn't ever have like the second glass of wine or like just really crazy stuff. So it was like I created in my mind like all these stories that that weren't really who I was. And so I think to get to that place where you can heal and you can move forward and you can release all the garbage that you've heard or people have labeled you and all that stuff is just to have that self check and that clarity and that um, kind of, again, going back to like retraining your brain to see really your value in the world, you know, the beauty that you bring to everyone around you. Um, then you can start shifting out of that and you start saying, you know what, it doesn't define me, but th that experience or those people or those labels that doesn't define me. I can release all that. And I, and I know who I am, but that takes a lot of, um, like a lot of uh, just, I guess, self-awareness and just kind of those conversations those self-discoveries that are really important. But I think all of us have baggage like that. Like all of us have some sort of story that holds us back to some degree. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I like ruthlessly search for those because I'm like, yeah. get it out, get it out. <laughs> I don't want it in here anymore. But it's hard to find. It's yes. hard to find because because there's like who we are right and then and, and i've talked about this before on the show but there's like who we are and then there are all of these other stories that that have either we've formed or mm -hmm. they've kind of been ingrained in us via external influences and, and stimuli right. and then there's like this middle ground where those two two sides interact and then we're like dynamic creatures so we keep moving forward and there's constantly more and more and more so it's like at the end of the day, how do you even know who you really are? So I, I guess what I want to ask is, first of all, I, I would love to hear your thoughts on, on that. But, but also, when you started to make those changes and you started to challenge those stories that you were telling yourself and you started to discover more of who you truly were, and I believe it's a journey. I don't think you could ever get there. Right. But who did you find out that you were? I think my, uh, I'm a lot older than you. Actually, my son is 25. So you said you're 24. I was like, oh my gosh, he's Christoph's age. Um, my first kind of pivot into that space came when I turned 40. So I'm 47 now. And I spent my adult years just hustling forward, right? Just I hustled, hustled, hustled. I created, I made money. I created wealth. I bought houses. I was successful, but hustling, hustling, hustling. And I kept in this chaotic frenzy because when you're in that chaotic frenzy, you don't have to deal with any kind of uh, self-discovery or self-work or whatever you want to call it because you're just in the moment. You're busy. And there's a, it feeds you because you're so busy and you're doing so much. Like I sat on six boards at the same time and I had two businesses and then the three kids. It was just crazy. It wasn't until I realized I don't want my life to be like this. Like I was, it was 
something was off. Like I felt like this is not what I signed up for. This is not the life that I, I envisioned for myself. Something has to change. So I went to, this is completely eccentric, but I went to Madrid for my 40th birthday by myself. My uncle lives there. So we met up one morning and started drinking at like 11 AM or something crazy. But it was the first time that I was by myself without a phone, without my computer. I mean, I had them, but I, there was no Wi-Fi connection. And I thought I was going to lose my mind. And I actually bought Deepak Chopra's book. It's called like Seven Laws of Spirituality or Seven Spirituality. I don't know. Something like that from Deepak Chopra. But the first page was like, you need to detach yourself from technology. You need to be alone. I mean, I'm using very simple words. His were more eloquent and beautiful. But I remember like... I remember like my mind unraveling and kind of going crazy because it was having all these thoughts. It was the first time it just was quiet. So that was like the first pivot in. And then I started practicing a little bit more meditation where it was just quiet. And those first couple moments when you do meditation and you're in from that crazy, like busy, 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 your mind wants to think of all these things, right? All these problems and all these things and what you have going on, all the things you have to do. And it really took some time. Like you said, it's a journey. It's evolution. It's not overnight. You don't wake up and go, Oh, I'm fixed. Like I'm totally like centered. I have profound clarity. I know my path. I know my alignment. It takes some time. So it took me a couple of years of practicing that and really getting more and more in tune with um, releasing a lot of the stories that I was told by my mother, releasing a lot of stories of the way she treated me as an example. Um, you know, really trying to find out like, I am this person. How do I know? Because of these past um, experiences that were positive, because I'm able to do this. Because So you kind of have to look back at your past to see the good things and embrace that and then start releasing all that negative stuff and like retelling the stories. So um, now the story that I tell as an example with my mother is that, you know, she did the best she could, but her lack of love does not define my ability to love. And because of her um, addiction, I think I'm a better mother. Like I, I studied other moms to see like what good moms do and like how they behave. And I copied that and I kind of like, and I released that. So there are ways to get out of that. It's not easy. It does, does not happen overnight. I think a lot of these books make it seem like it does. Like you read a book and you're fixed, but it's definitely like once you uncover something, then you'll uncover another level and you'll keep on uncovering things that, are holding you back or these stories that, you know, are self-limiting. It, it's a process for sure. But um, that's how you get started. You just have to get rid of the noise and just be still. And eventually that becomes comfortable. It's fascinating to me, the idea of, you know, of, of when you're trying to work through these, maybe they're self-limiting beliefs, maybe they're obstacles, but I feel like you kind of know, you kind of know it when when you're when you're there, right? That it's like a roadblock somehow. That it, it almost seems to me like the the one of the most powerful things you can do is not to add more, but almost to strip away. Yes. To 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 remove, and to almost expose, for lack of a better word, like the truth the truth to it, the, the, like the core, the root of the issue and then tackle that. Yes. So I have a great illustration for what you're saying. So we lived on, on Key Biscayne Island outside downtown Miami during Hurricane Irma. 
and we lived all, almost on the water. So when that was going to come, we had to evacuate. And we only had enough space for one backpack per person in the family. And so when we told everyone, like there are five of us in the family, everyone's got to take one backpack, you pack it with what you love the most. And then we had one clear box of like passports, birth certificates, like all like the things that we needed, like it was in a waterproof container. And that's what we took. And I really, I was here for Hurricane Andrew. I, I didn't think we'd make it back to the house. I thought the house was going to be gone. Everything we owned was going to be gone. And, you know, there was a piece about it. Like, I know that doesn't make sense, but when you, there was sadness at first, right? Because we're just with one backpack and that's it. You know, that's all you have from here forward. And that after you get through the sadness, the reality is, is that you have a backpack and it has like all you need. And so when you talk about that stripping away, it was really healing to just be, this is all I need. So I think a lot of times when we, when we have that experience, like when we're moving and you just have that, what can you take? Even like that Marie Kondo. Like, I think the reason why people love that decluttering is because it makes you feel more free to remove the things that don't serve you anymore, to release that and just be present and just be happy in your state. And then back, add back in the things that bring you joy, whether it's a physical item or people around you or the conversations you're having in your head, but it's really great to like have that ground zero and a mental state to kind of then build from that. I think that's a really healthy um, way of looking at that evolution, that journey that, that we all you know, desire to take. There's a, a gentleman who I met in Canada not too long ago when I was traveling by the name of Mark. And he I love him so much. He was so funny and so very nice to to me. And, and I was asking him um, about his journey and uh, he was gracious enough to share some of his wisdom and he's a very, very successful person. And so he was telling me about how important his spirituality was to him. Mm. He was telling me how in the world of entrepreneurship, building a business, going out on your own, kind of being by yourself in a lot of ways. Yes. That one of the things that kept him sane was having his spirituality to come back to. And he said, the reason was when I was in that place, I knew that I, I knew that I was somewhere that I'd been before. And so I had a benchmark or, or like some foundation, some place of, of strength, of peace, mm -hmm. which with which I could then go back out into the wilderness from. But I knew I could always come back to this place. And I knew that my normal or, or you know, my, uh, my, my home was there. And because I knew that, it allowed me to go out into mm -hmm. the, you know, in, into the unknown. Do you feel like, you have something like that, something that really, or, or maybe, it's a, maybe it's a person or, or something that really keeps you, um, you know, keep, keeps you in that place of, or, or, or allows you to have a place to go back to, to give you that perspective, to give you that strength, that, that stamina. Yeah. That the groundedness, like how do you, how do you stay grounded when you're really pushing forward? I think <laughs> a conversation I have with myself often because I do have stressful moments, you know, there's a lot going on. I ask that question, how do I serve better? 
Like if I just bring it back to that, like how do I serve the world better with what I've got? Like how, how do I become someone who can impact others in a really great positive way? That seems to remove all the stress and then go back to that alignment that I talked about before. Because we get so busy, right? Like, oh, we want to now launch in 300 locations. And now, you know, we've got to get the podcast. And like, we've got to get the, like it's like so many things going on, like conferences and blah, blah, blah. So when I get into that space where you start getting to that tornado of that frenziness, if I just ask those questions to myself, you know, to remind myself, it pulls me, like you were saying of your friend Mark, it pulls you back into that space of serenity and calmness where you say, I, I have this, this is how I can impact the world, this is how I can serve greater, that's where I'm going to start from again. And it kind of makes me shift. And a lot of the stuff then just goes away and you go, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. So we didn't get that sponsorship. Who cares? It doesn't matter. Where's the work? You know, what's, what's really the intention behind our, my life as a person? And that seems to be the place where I get grounded. I mean, I've got great ones, people around me. That was another challenge I had. Like I had a lot of toxicity around me. Um, so realizing like, it's not good to have that around, to have just positivity, to have people that support, um, so that I definitely already have created that concrete, um, circle that helps. But I think that those questions, you know, bring it back to, and perhaps that's my own spirituality, right? Of just how, what's my purpose and how do I, how do I serve my neighbor more than, yeah, it seems to. It seems to remove all the garbage. <laughs> it just like doesn't matter. It does not matter. That's amazing. So, I want to just ask you a couple more questions. Sure. And, uh, then, then we'll wrap it on up. Um, but I'm really interested to to know. Do you feel like you're a human being who practices spirituality, or do you feel like you're a spiritual being who is experiencing a human experience for lack of a better term. That's so funny you say that uh, because I always call people humans like, Oh, it's a human thing to do. I would say I probably feel more like a spiritual being beha behaving as a human, like in this. Um, I remember my, my youngest, she's 13 years old and she was a little baby. She was in the back seat and she kept looking at her hands and she was like, isn't it weird to be human? Isn't this like so weird to be human? I thought it was such a crazy, like, like she was a little munchie, a little peanut. And she was saying stuff like that, but I thought it's so funny. But yeah, I mean, even our, our slogan for our company is business for your soul. I definitely think that, that that's the way we all are. You know, there were just spirits that are kind of like connecting to one another in this human form. And I think that's what, that's, that's why I get so frustrated when people judge others or, you know, are, are mean or harm other human beings is because at the end of the day, we're all one. Like, it's just a carcass, but that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> sure. Wait a second. Wait a second. <laughs> that is an awesome rabbit hole. Let's definitely go down that. What do you mean? What do you mean? Like if you just removed the carcass of the human flesh, like if you just removed it, we're all exactly the same. So in, in essence, everyone's moving around, right, Earth, but they're all judging each other. You have purple hair, you have green hair, you have, you know, pink skin, whatever it is. Like, but at the end of the day, like, it's just like a costume. It's like literally just a costume that we're wearing. And I think that there's, there's connection. Like, isn't it interesting, like, when sometimes you meet someone, like maybe your friend Mark, where you meet someone and all of a sudden you get 
really, you're like, oh my God, it's gonna be my new best friend. Like totally like jive with them, their energy. You're like, it's so great. It's because there's something more profound. So there's like something more spiritually connected that makes it so that you guys just speed up that relationship. And then sometimes you meet people and you're like, yeah, you know what? Uh, I, it's okay. Like, I don't need to see them again. Like, I'm good. You know, like, um, or even I've had friends, I've introduced friends and then they've become best friends. And I think that's so interesting, right? Like here I was the catalyst, but then they surpassed and they became best friends, which I think is beautiful. But at the end of the day, we're, we're connecting at that level at an energy level. And then we waste all this time judging people like who you believe, what color skin you have, what color hair, what's your background. Like, you know, I did the 23 Me thing. I'm like 5% Cuban or 2% Cuban or whatever. It turns out I'm like more French and more. So like here at my whole life, I've been like, oh, I'm Cuban. My parents were born in Cuba, but no, not really. <laughs> like, so got my 5% Ashkenazi, like, you know, like whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, like it doesn't matter We're, I mean, look, that's a, just a great example. Like those 23 and me, your answers, this is a crazy, it's, we're all mixed up, all of us. So it's the soul that matters. It's that connectivity to one another in a spirit form. I love that. I love <laughs> that. You know, there was an experience that I had, and again, I've shared it on the show, but I'd really love to, to share it with you. Um, when, you know, I was, I was meditating. And I don't meditate nearly as much as I should. I'll be the first to say. Right. <laughs> uh, but but this is one of those times where it just felt like, like I wanted slash needed to. So I went out in my backyard, and there's like there's like the swing, and there's a bunch of trees, and it's you know it's very peaceful out there, which I'm very grateful for. And I, you know I sat there for whatever reason, I just tried to channel as much positivity and happiness and love forward just forward and try to just give that and and like project that onto the world and like i saw like through through my house down the street across the city all the way like off of the planet into space and then i tried to do a 360 where i was like projecting that all around all around all around and then i tried to feel like i was releasing all the bad mm-hmm. and try to breathe in some of the good that i had that i had put out there and it was a very peaceful thing i don't know why i don't know why i did that it just felt like it was a cool thing to do and the right thing to do right so I did that and i felt very peaceful and then i had this ridiculously cool maybe it was a feeling, maybe it was a vision. I feel like I kind of saw it, but I don't really know. It's, it's hard to explain, but I felt like, like my mind was up here and my body was down here. So there's two things. And it's like a tiny itty bitty space right in the middle. And I felt like whatever I am, which is not my mind and my body, but whatever I am was just moving through that space and trying to get to the other side. And I got to the other side and what I immediately felt was, wait a second, wait a second. It's not this little space in between my mind and my body. That's not everything that's there. There's everything outside. And then I was just stuck in between my mind and my body. And, and but, but there was everything else. There was just vast amounts of energy, just unlimited amounts of energy just everywhere. And so in that moment, it was just very it was ama- it was amazing. I don't know how else to describe it. It was just amazing right. because I felt like there was all this energy and that it was flowing through me, whatever me 
is right and, you know, like flowing through me and that is how i was creating things in the world was like this energy was flowing through me and i was like a like a conduit or like you know this like thing that the energy was flowing through and creating through it was the coolest thing and i would love to get your opinion on what that actually was what actually happened there i mean it could be um i'm not an expert in that field but it could be that um you know, some people say, so I, I have a lot of friends that are like shamans and, um, you know, that are spiritual advisors and practice feng shui, but it could be that there are two, they, some say, well, that there's two different realms and there's like you and then there's that physical form and they're connected. And then there's some people that say that there's a master guiding you. Some people say there is a circle of angels around you that kind of guide you into major decisions, your intuition, your gut. So I would say it's probably a combination of that, you know, like where you're, you found that clarity, you've probably um, connected to something that's higher than yourself, you know, in a, in a good way. And um, there's probably something, yeah, in a different, like, you know, a specific friend of mine that's a shaman would say, it's a different realm of you. And um, yeah, I'm not a shaman. My, my son the other day is like, I think you think you're a shaman. I'm like, I'm not a shaman. I, I'm not. I just enjoy the conversations, you know, of like, because I think that this, sometimes we look at the world in one dimensional kind of perspectives and there's just so much more out there. If you think about like the sun and what the sun is and like you think about the moon, you think about other planets. I mean, how can this just be what it is? This is like, I think we just see things for like, I don't know. Yeah, I think it's beautiful. I understand what you're saying. I have felt things that are similar to that. So I, I understand that feeling of peace that you probably found while you were going through it and then coming out of it and probably even just sharing it now you probably remember that your your soul comes alive oh i'll never forget it yeah it, it's something that's just it's literally unforgettable yeah it, it, not that many things are unforgettable well there's probably a lot of limit limitations with what i just said but right. i find that something like that sticks in my mind and that particular thing sticks to, has stuck in my mind more than almost anything else that, oh, I, that yeah. I've ever experienced. I, I remember when my grandmother passed away, my grandmother was like my mother. She was amazing. She had like three PhDs from University of Miami, like philosophy, geography. Just She was just amazing. And when she passed away, I was so angry with the world. I was just angry with everybody. It was angry that people were smiling. Like thinking to myself, don't you know someone just amazing died? And this is going to sound crazy, but I had her rosary and I was praying her rosary just to kind of connect with her. I had stayed with her the last couple of days of her life at the hospital. And <clears throat> she came to me at night and it was the crate. It was still beam of light. And my husband was there next to me because we could hear the rosary beads move. And I, and he had his hands around me. I was like, did you hear that? And he's like, yeah, I heard that. It was definitely her rosary beads moving. And she came to me that night, whether it was a dream, if it was real, I don't know but it was just light and I have never felt such an intensity of love from, from anything else, but that it was like, and I, I remember feeling, I want to go there. I want to go with wherever she's going or wherever she went because it was such a pool of just pure love. I'd never felt that before. So I'm thinking that's probably what you felt also <laughs> something like that. 
Well, that's a beautiful experience. Thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah, you're welcome. I don't think I've ever shared that with anybody else. But anyway, people might think it's hokey pokey, but my husband, who was like an engineer, he was like, oh yeah, I heard that. And then that night she came to me. So um, anyway. That's amazing. She sounds like an amazing person. Yeah, she was awesome. Well, you know, I, uh, I do want to thank you so, so much, Violet, for coming on the, coming on the show you. and, um, you know, being willing to, to talk about a lot of these things. I recognize that, you know, some of them are very sensitive things. So, you know, I just want to say thank you for um, being willing to, uh, to, to go there with me and, and to, you know, have this conversation. So thank you. Thank you. It was awesome. I did not expect all of this. I'm so happy. This is wonderful. So thank you um, for inviting me. Absolutely. And so I just have one more question for you. Okay. Um, then, then we'll wrap it on up. So like I said before, I'm 24. Okay. And I want to ask you know, just a very personal question uh, from, you know, from, from me. What question should I be asking you and specifically you that I just wouldn't think to ask? What kind of question? Um, I think a lot of questions that people ask me, I'm going to go back to what people ask me, is about mindset, like changing your mindset. And that's generally the conversation that people want to have with me. I'll just add that a friend of mine, uh, who's one of my mentors, she sold her company for like, I don't know, 40 or $50 million, I'm not sure. But she said, the success that people have is really like 80 to 90% mindset. And so for those that are listening and kind of going, what does that even mean? Is that if you are telling yourself you can't do it, you're not going to move forward, you don't have what it takes, you don't have the money, um, that's, it's going to be true. And when she told me that, it, it really hit me because it's all about your mindset. Like when you decide to do something, you do it. And um, I see it all the time all the time. Like people, even my son, my son was like, I want to study. I want to live in Germany. He figured out a way he lives in Germany now, you know, like my daughter wanted to live in New York city. She figured out a way she lives in New York city. So we, ha we can do that, but it's all in your mind. And once you decide you then have to act forward all the time, consistently and consecutively in that same alignment and you will get there. So that would be, that would be one question that um, I thought we were going to talk about because everyone always asks me about that, but, but spirituality is better, I guess. Well, again, thank you so, so much for coming thank on the you. show and to everybody who's watching and listening. I want to thank y'all very much because your time is very valuable. So I'm very grateful that you choose to share some of it with us today. So thank y'all. I love y'all and I will see you on the next episode. Take care now.